Welcome to Job Seekers Radio. I'm Andrew. And I'm Scott. This production is meant to provide meaningful support to find great careers faster. Whether you're working or not. Today's episode is brought to you by The Anatomy of a Networking Conversation. It's an ebook, a free resource to download at jobseekersradio.com, and it's our free gift to, to you. you. Today's episode, we're talking about the number one hidden secret of career success. There are a lot of ways to look at success. Um, I remember in my youth feeling that as an actor, the only measurement of success would be that Academy Award or a Tony Award, whatever that might look like. And I remember hearing someone say, no, it really is just winning whatever it is you're going for, whether that's a specific part, whether that is getting a paid gig, uh, being just voice talent, whatever that might be, that all of these are measures of success. And I remember totally dismissing that. Um, of course, I was also in my teens and probably uh, lacked any life's experience experience to be able to make a judgment on in the first place. So as we talk about hidden secrets, we really do come back to the idea that it could be something that's really right in front of you. It's amazing how when we look at our careers and we think about success, we're always looking for the easy way, the path of least resistance, right? Or getting Does to the path of least resistance. Maybe it takes a little effort, but I'm going to make it to easy street. Right. Something that doesn't require effort right. on any of our parts. And, and really, when we talk about the tools available, accessible to us in career, and we talk about success, the first one that always comes up with anybody I coach is the resume. And when we talk about success for resume, what does that look like? We have spoken on resumes a lot, and we always come back to the idea that the best way to judge a resume is to use the one that works, the one that gets you calls. And that was advice that I got from a recruiter and headhunter that I had turned to to ask, what works for you? And she sort of turned that around on me. Well, what works for you? What gets you the calls? That's the one you should use. Her point in, in the larger conversation was to try a lot of them. Use the one that works. Trial and error. Improve. Always look for ways to attract an interview through that method, sure. through that document. We do want the resume in this case to be interesting to let people know what you have done, most importantly, the value you brought in whatever it is that you had done. So that's why they talk about accomplishments, or if you're on the sales side, what kind of sales percentages were you dealing with? You know, put the numbers in there. You make it recognizable for the people that you're sending the resume to, so they can see that there is value behind the accomplishments or the, the tasks that you were responsible for. One of the reasons you may actually be on this podcast right now is perhaps your resume is not working for you. And that is a way to determine whether or not to move to another method. Sure. And the method we often advocate, and you can probably see that from virtually all of the episodes we've put together, is networking. And when we look at talk about success when it comes to networking, what are we really talking about? To use the, the resume analogy, I, I like to think of it as a snapshot of my experience. So if that's all I'm giving people as I'm networking, really that's about you know meeting new people, talking to people that may be able to give me information and advice and all of that. It's not just a one and done thing. It's not like the resume where you, they say, oh, well, can I have your resume? You hand it to them, then you think you're done. No, there's still work that needs to be done. 
one of the things that they can help you do as you're networking is to say whether or not this resume would be something they'd respond to. Does this actually trigger their interest? And it gives you something else to talk about. The idea of having a project to work on where you're asking people for information and advice. The resume can be that project. As you're looking at networking, it works the same way. You have to do the things that actually bring you results. Okay, what results are you looking for? The first thing that, Andrew, you and I deal with in terms of the conversations that we have with job seekers is going to group events, whether that's a job fair or an association trade show or any one of these common networking groups. I have spoken to a number of people who say, yeah, I've done that. It didn't work for me. You know, what did? how did you approach it? And what were you hoping to get out of it? Exactly. And how do you measure success? And another thing that they fall into is that's the only kind of networking they do. So they're out there going to the groups. They go to a lot of groups, but they're not trying to get it any deeper. And in some of the cases, they're actually, when pressed, they will admit it, they're actually looking for ways to disqualify group networking as an avenue. An because it makes avenue. them uncomfortable, right? Uncomfortable or they've made up their minds already that for whatever reason that it's not going to work. So if they're looking for reasons why networking isn't going to work, the group networking isn't going to work, they're going to find that. And instead, it brings us back to what our mentor Cleon has talked about mm-hmm. in his group is to one of the three key points is to get out there and learn something. Well, if every single group event you go to is an opportunity to learn something, something. Okay, so this one didn't work. What did you learn? What happened in that event that didn't work for you? Why didn't it work for you? And that's really the information that as I'm talking to people say, oh, well, group networking doesn't work for me. Why? You could say the same about individual networking. That's right. Is that people go into a one-on-one situation and they come into it with the best of intention and their intention doesn't always get them what they want, which they assume might be an interview. So they'll bring their resume, they'll sit down with somebody and say, hey, you're working at a great company where I see an open position and here's my resume. And then it doesn't work. And right. you say networking doesn't work because I approached it from that perspective. Right. And, and, the, and the outcome we're really looking for is, as you mentioned, Scott, learn something, maybe get some advice or direction, yeah. or even get introduced to somebody else. Now, if an invitation for an interview comes in, was that really the success I was looking for? And you don't set yourself up for success if right. you have unrealistic expectations. That's absolutely true. You also won't see the success if you enter it without an open mind. Because I would say, just look at it from, from an artist's point of view. Talk to any painter. I personally do glass art. Photographers, you name it. Whatever the, the art form is, often we get our best successes through mistakes, through things that didn't work out the way we expected them to. Uh, Specifically with glass art, I've come up with some of my nicest pieces because what I was actually going for didn't work. And so I take that and I make it into something else that ends up being better than what I had already had in mind. Networking is no different. If I go to a networking event and I'm not getting the outcome that I wanted, and let's say just because this is something that, that is a nice starting point, I'm going to meet three new people in this networking event. I've never met them before. I'm going to have a meeting meaningful conversation with them, whatever that looks like, right? I'd say that's a good approach to a networking event. And maybe I only talk to one person. Does that mean I have not succeeded because I haven't reached the goal that I walked in with? The answer is yes, it is in fact a failure if I learn nothing from it. Yeah. Well, if that works 
for you. Sure. It may not work for me to meet three people. It might mean success for me is I just want to have one person that I talk to be a hiring manager. And that may mean I have to talk to 15 people people just to meet one hiring manager. But if I set myself up for success, I do have an objective and that works for me. The, the idea is I'm not failing by having a co- really good conversation with one person. It may not have been go- the goal that I walked in with. What if that one person can actually introduce me to three other people? It's still a success. What we're doing is we're coming in with some assumptions. The idea that we have to reach a specific goal in order for something to be a success. And that is not necessarily true. In fact, the more we try the different things, the easier it's going to be to recognize success when it happens. And the best analogy that I have for this is going fishing. You have to cast your bait into several different kinds of ponds and rivers to figure out which one is going to be the one for you. You got it. You may end up pulling up a fish, one that you don't like. Here's the thing. You know what's so funny about that? When I was selling real estate, I was coaching through a company called Mike Ferry. And Mike Ferry assigned me a coach Steve Powers, I remember this conversation like it was yesterday. And it happens every year, January 1st. It's the largest number of expired listings of the entire year, okay? That means he said to me, and I remember this vividly, there's a narrow channel and all the fish are going through this little channel. How can you not afford to be there fishing when the fish are running through the channel. Yeah, yeah, so here's that, that's the thing. a great analogy. Yeah, so not only do you need to have your lines in the water, but you actually need to be fishing. Yeah, you have to be paying attention. I also think about those who uh, who say, oh, well, yeah, the group thing never worked for me, so I'm just going with one-on-one, that's all I do. Okay, that's going to be a problem because you're not actually paying attention to where the fish are going. And the reverse is true. Oh, well, one-on-one doesn't work for me because I'm just not good at asking people to introduce me to other people, so I'd rather go the group thing. Okay, I- I'm not saying you won't find success, but I will suggest that you will be limiting yourself. Instead, pay attention to where the fish are. And that tends to be cyclical as well. You think about if you're looking for government jobs, when is the time that the hiring usually happens? Well, it's after the fiscal year begins. But that's not the only time. It's also as the fiscal year is ending because these government agencies or their contractors have to spend their money or they're not going to get it for the next fiscal season. Pay attention. What what can you learn from all of these different things that you're doing? Cast your bait into the pond or the river or wherever the fish are to figure out what is going to work for you and keep doing that. Keep your eyes open for other things because you don't know where the fish may go next time. Keep making effort. Keep measuring in some way until you figure out what it is that works for you. And my guess is it's going to be a combination of things. That brings us to another idea in career And that is the key skill, I believe, we just completed a decade. We're in a new millennium and have been for 20 years now. 20 years now. And really the key skill today in the marketplace, my perspective, of course, is the capacity to learn new things. And what we need to look at in terms of success in learning new things is having the capacity to know I I should be doing it. That's the first step. Second step is you get to decide what is it do I want to learn and how do I want to learn it? And there are obviously as many different options for how to learn something as there are learning opportunities. I mean, the list is endless. Over the holidays, I was at a party, some good friends of mine were hosting, and I happened to meet the chancellor of a university there. Didn't know him from Adam. We ended up talking. Having worked in higher ed in my past, it gave me an ability to talk about commonalities. 
But what was interesting was in the work that I do now as a trainer and consultant, I create training opportunities for people. And sometimes they ask for a blended learning opportunity, meaning some of it online, some of it in person. So there's pre-work, there's post-work, all of that stuff that might be done online. And so it makes the, the in-person part richer. Okay, so you're you're only there to to actually practice the skills that you may have learned through the online source. And it turns out that this chancellor had brought with him to his university somebody who was an expert on blended learning. He introduced me, and I had a follow-up conversation with this professor about how do you back up the success of blended learning with data. And and I I went with the express goal of finding out what the data was that supported the benefits of e-learning specifically. In other words, what are the studies? Where have they been done? What do they show that prove that blended learning is actually as effective as in-person learning? Well, I did not succeed at that goal because, come to find out, at least according to this professor, there really isn't any. And we could go into other conversations about why, what ended up happening, what we ended up talking about was how do you make a blended learning situation work? And yes, the evaluative process is definitely there. How you approach it may need to change. And this is something that I hadn't really considered in this context. There were a, a few things that we talked about, though, and one of them was building a persistent community. And that's a term I had never heard before. The idea was to create, and in this case, online, a community where people can chat about things. They can talk about the paper they've just written or the article that they've just read and how this relationship to the things that they're working on, but it's an online platform for them to keep the conversation going. Well, in my work, reinforcement is a big part of what we do. The online learning is a way to get the learning into their hands, and so the in-person part is how they practice it. That part isn't going to change. The key learning moment for me in this conversation was there was a whole realm of conversation that I didn't even think about, despite the fact that I'd been through it myself in a different context. All of a sudden, there was a connection. Job seekers can create for themselves a persistent community. Exactly. What does that mean in terms of what works for you? Well, that's going to depend on what works for you. That's part of the empowerment moment is if you can then take what you've learned and you can create some kind of persistent community, think about the job-seeking networking groups that you already attend, you the listener. You're already attending some of them somewhere, right? How do you keep the persistent community going? For me, so far, it's been pretty random. I think about Nancy, whom I met, gosh, a decade ago. I hadn't really thought about this, but it was 10 years ago that we met. She and I stay in contact. Not often, regularly, probably every six months or so, we just ping each other. It had never dawned on me that that's the beginning of a persistent community. How can we be more intentional about that? So for some people, it may be an Excel spreadsheet. And I know, Andrew, you've talked about that. Oh, yeah. Well, having some kind of job search or career CRM, customer relationship management. Really, it's something that we talk about a lot in sales is you need to know your customer really well. And and one way to keep track of all of that, especially if you have like, I don't know how many are in your network on LinkedIn, but I'm over 7,000 now. I mean, how do I keep track? Right. How do I keep track of all these people? It's a number I can't possibly keep in touch with everyone. No. 
I can't either. Right. Uh, well, and we think about it. Our parents would have had Rolodexes. Yeah, my and mom had one of those. I actually just ran across one. I was going through stuff in the attic. What's really interesting is, for me, I was of the generation of Rolodex users where you had the little punch card. And so you didn't actually have Rolodex cards. You had a Rolodex where you put somebody's business card. Mm-hmm. You punched the, yeah. the holes or the, you know, the slots, whatever. And then you just slipped the business card in. And ooh, that was all the rage back when I was doing that. But I had all these business cards of people I didn't know, and I had written on the back of some of them. However, there are people for whom that still works. Don't stop using it if it works. If it works for you, keep using it. Yeah, that's the skill we're talking about here is using the one that works. For you, Excel. For me, it's actually notebooks, right. keeping the notebooks and flagging the ones literally by color, the, the conversations that I've had. And so I can go back to a, a notebook that I've used in the past, sort of a journal idea, although I'm not a journaler, but I do keep track of the people that I've talked to and what we talked about. And so those things that I want to remember, I can flag. And if I'm looking for a specific kind of memory or learning whatever that is, I go back to the color. Okay, that's what works for me. There are so many other out there. And some people actually have access to Salesforce and some of the other platforms. Right. And I use SalesFlare for my business. Um, I've seen people use HubSpot. There's a lot of uh, software as a service type of solutions out there to keep track of my job search in my career. And nobody ever thought to do it that way. There was somebody actually developed one back in the day when the dot com thing was going on and it never took off. Primarily, I believe, because LinkedIn came on the scene and really they're looking to displace a lot of what's happening in that space. My mom, I still remember, she had literally a metal box with the flip over lid and yep. it had three by five cards in it. And that's how she kept in touch with her. Believe it or not, she was a printing broker. And this is how she kept track of people was a three by five card. No, you know? I, th- not this very makes, sophisticated. And it doesn't have to be. It's whatever's going to keep you going. One of the things that we keep coming back to is you have to be the one to make the effort. Whatever the form that works for you, it means that you have to put the effort into it to get out of it what you want. There is no easy street. And that's the biggest challenge I have in coaching people is that it doesn't necessarily, life doesn't necessarily get easier. I also come back to the idea that specific efforts will get easier. The quote that says, the more you do something, the easier it becomes, not because the thing itself has changed, but your ability to do it has. And so as we're looking at the measurements of success and what it is that we're trying to do in our job seeking, in our career, what is that secret to success? Well, first of all, you have to be able to define what success is, and that is going to be individual to you. And your situation, your your circumstance, what you're trying to achieve. For some of you, it may just be a job. Right. You may just need to get on base. Maybe your objective is job and measuring all of your things against that. And if it works for you, guess what? Then that was the right measurement. For me personally, it is a job where I can feel like I bring value that's going to make a difference in the lives of the people that I'm working with. And as a trainer and coach, that makes sense. And generally, I'm able to do that. Is it working? The idea of a fulfilling career, all of us walk in the door wanting a fulfilling career. How do we measure that success? What what does fulfillment really need? And if I need to lower my standards for that fulfillment in the short term, will they lead to the higher standards that I'm actually going for? If you can say yes to that, then that doesn't mean it's failure. It means it's a step. You know, it's funny you bring that up. 
I am really attracted to great leaders. Yes, absolutely. And for me, a measurement of a success is, regardless of how many people I meet, I'm always looking to meet what I would define as a great leader. And that certainly has certain characteristics. Yes. So I'm always looking for those people to create, you know, as we talked about earlier, that community. Actually, you bring up another point that I think about when talking about great leaders. Often, we read the articles on what, you know, what, what makes a great leader, right? And we're thinking about how do I internalize this so I become a better leader? There's also the idea that these should be traits that I'm looking for in other people. But then there are those who they don't look at their own performance. They're looking at the other people first. Well, they need to look at their own performance. It's turning it on its head. How do we look at things differently so that we see, as we go back to the basics, how that can work, but how it can work differently for us so that we gain greater success. It also could be an awesome company. Now we talk about awesome company in a generic sense. For each one of us, we need to define what that is. Right. What does an awesome company look like? What are their values? What is their mission yeah. statement? What what benefits do they provide? Do they have great leadership? And, and so for each one of us, we may be out to measure or say, hey, you know, I'm just really looking to work for an awesome company. Nothing <clears throat> wrong with that. That's great. One thing I would say, just as a caveat to that, is some companies are, in fact, awesome. They have the right values. It's totally in alignment and everything is absolutely great until, of course, you meet the people inside the company. Always remember that you're dealing with human beings and it's never going to be quite as good as they say it is. And I don't mean to sound cynical. It's keep the lens of realism in your glasses because that will help you to discern what is real and what isn't real because you can always deal with the things that are real in positive ways. Speaking of real, I think you've realized that we've gone through most of this podcast and not actually told you the number one hidden secret of success. We sort of hinted at it. Well, we, we did hint at it and hopefully you caught it, but what is the number one secret of success? The hidden secret of success. Yeah. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep making the effort. Change things as you go. Try a little differently. The whole premise is the secrets to our success, whether it's one or a series of parts, the secret is usually something that has been in front of us the whole time. We simply haven't recognized it. So that is my challenge to our listeners, mm. to look at the things that you're currently doing. Try to look at them differently. Which one of these could still be the key to your personal success. I think about Cleon again, who says the answers are all inside of you. You already have them. And I am a firm believer in that. It's simply that we haven't looked at that diamond in the rough and recognized it for what it was. We do have the answers in front of us. We simply have to polish them. One of the tools you have right in front of you right now is the show notes and resources for yep. this podcast episode. You can find those at John jobseekersradio.com forward slash 073. The other source is the ebook that we put together, The Anatomy of a Networking Conversation. We want you to download that at jobseekersradio.com. And then while you're there, we would really appreciate it if you would send us some feedback. Let us know how the, the ebook is helping you, how this topic of the secret, the not so secret secret, it can help you. We'd love to hear of your successes. We'd love to hear about your challenges so that we can get a little deeper into this to help you figure out what the best success really looks like. But we want to challenge you 
don't give up. Do us a favor, in the show notes, there is a link to iTunes for you to leave a rate and review. It's also a great place to subscribe to get future episodes. Um, so please head over there. The link is right there in the show notes. That is something you could do as a favor to us so that we can spread the word about what we're trying to accomplish here, this labor of love that we have called Job Seekers Radio. Well, thanks everybody. I'm Scott. And I'm Andrew. And in the words of Simon Sinek, don't quit. Never give up trying to build the world you can see, even if others can't see it. Listen to your drum, and your drum only. It's the only one that makes the sweetest sound. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.